Elder Sensei, how's it going? You. Uh, thanks for joining me tonight. I really appreciate it. It's it's crazy. I actually have been listening to your music since the early nineties, over twenty five uh, years. You have me, man. Yeah. So um first off, I want to say rest in peace to Tay One and DJ Chaos. No doubt. Appreciate uh, that. Yeah, uh it's crazy, honestly, like looking uh looking into this interview, it's crazy how your two thousand twenty two went and yeah, I really hope 2023 is a lot better. I mean, you guys put out a crazy album, which uh, which I think a lot of people really appreciate that you guys got that out. But I don't know. Um, how do you how do you move on from this? I mean, what are you playing on for 2023 so far? Well, uh, I just like everybody to know. Just uh, I appreciate all the uh, condolences and. And it, for me to get through this, this album pretty much has done that for me. Um, being able to have something to focus on like this uh, helped me out a lot. You know, of course, death isn't always easy, easy, especially when it's sudden like that. So uh, I'm I'm in the same boat as everybody else, you know, including Tane's mom. So the best thing for me was doing this uh Still having to push the record and and uh, promote it, actually selling it, you know, uh, just uh, making sure everybody got their hands on it, which has been good. You know, every, the album has been, you know, taken very well. I'm glad everybody like it. You know, I'm, I'm actually glad me and Tane was able to record this to get it out to the people. Salute to my man Buck Wow with the, the beats and the instrumentals. And, um, you know, this is a, this was a big deal for us, you know, and I'm glad we got to put it out before he passed. And, um, he really, he, he really, really liked this album. You know, he, he actually came to my house before he passed uh, a week, a week before he passed. And he told me then, he said, man, this record is crazy. I'm just glad we was able to put it together. You know, it took him not say a minute to do, but I'm glad we was able to do it. Yeah. And, uh, what's cool about it is, like it was getting a lot of love and attention before he even passed, you know. Right, right, right. How did he? Uh, how do you feel about that? That reception that it was getting. Did he seem? I mean, it's, about it's, that? it's fitting. It's fitting, you know, uh, for us not to put out a record in over twenty-five years, twenty-eight actually. Uh, wow. You know, it was a, a, it was a blessing, and I would say, you know, where people was able to compare our old music to now. And I hope that people feel as though it wasn't too far of a stretch from what we already did, but just a, a new offering of what we sound like today, which I feel is not too far away from where we was at, you know. And um, you know, that's that's the whole thing with this silver lining with this record was, you know, people we always immortalized by things that we've done in our beginnings. And especially for me and Tame with wrong side of the tracks, to have this record not be about graffiti, not be about nothing but just displaying our skills of, of and what we learned over the years, even for people to know that in between albums that was a long stretch, you know, and, and to be able to see this younger generation take to us as well as the our, our true fans, that was dope. Yeah, really. Um 
So what made you guys decide to do it with Buckwild, just exclusively him? Well, um, we had a, a, a interest together as far as like the label Smoke on Records. Uh, Buck had a history with them. Um, we uh, agreed to do the record with Buck mostly because of that and our beginnings with him. Yeah. So it, it was just an uh, easy, easy thing to do. And right. um, he came through. Uh, we got the beats from him. And we recorded everything in my house, in, the, in my basement. And my man Jay Palumbo mixed everything. And, um, you know, I was just glad to actually, uh, you know, had the opportunity to work with Buck where it wasn't just one or two, three songs we did with him mm. on the first album. You know, right. I had continued to work with Buck throughout my solo career as well. Um, but this was like, it made sense. You know, Buck started with us just as much as our starts with him, even with the Buster uh, remix for Come On To Get Down. Yeah. It, it brought us back kind of like full circle. Yeah. So um, would you say you or Tame had a, have a favorite song off of this new project? If you had to pick one. Yeah, my I have a couple, but I think. The one song that stands out for me and Tame, and and easily my my favorite verse from him on the album, is the the Jersey joint, the, the Royal Garden State. Okay. And 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 also for me the better music, um you know but these that Jersey Royal Garden State pretty much, and one song me and Tame tried to squeeze in so much Jersey shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was like, all these names of the different counties and cities and throughout Jersey and. You know, I know a lot of people probably wouldn't, of course, know all these places if you're not from Jersey, but I would hope that with this song, we took people on a quick two-minute change journey of where we come from. Right. And and, and the changes that it's made over the years. So that kind of stuck out for me. You know, I got a lot of favorites, but, you know, for the 10 songs, yeah, better music and, 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 and take a trip as well. Take a Trip was maybe the most personal song me and Tame ever made, where we speaking our feelings on our history and and pretty much where we at, even, even now, before he died. Yeah. Yeah, I like Take a Trip, and I like Facts the best. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. About, and we actually about to shoot a video for that song. Nice, nice. So, um, you know what? One thing I I like about the three releases you guys did together is um you don't you never really had a lot of guest appearances and you no. did it again on this one with just uh Big Joker Afro and Razkaz. Right. Yeah. We. I mean, I always said uh you know it was it's not a really you know money thing having features, but I always felt like me and Tame was the feature for the record anyway as a group. You know, yeah. I never believe I never believed in having features to, you know, overload the record and shit. I always felt like if we got if we're gonna have a feature, it gotta make sense. And who the person gotta really be kinda like from where we from, same vein. And um Afro fit that very well, you know what I'm saying? Being new blood, he's a student of the game. He he was taught by a, a teacher himself as far as RA. And um he, I, I love his, I love his different flow tactics. He, he did the same thing on this song. Even Tane was like, "Yo, who is that dude on this song with uh, the Contagious?" Like, that's an Afro. He's like, "Damn," he said, "My man killed it." You know what I'm saying? Raskas is is from, like I said, it made sense because he's from where we from. 
you know, he started out, we all started out together, you know. Yeah, it was pretty much, yeah, out. came out in 94. Yeah, yeah Western or, Hemisphere. Well, a, little, a little earlier, yeah. Yeah, we, he's around, it's about the same, because we did it, we did a lot of promo shows with him in L.A., a lot of radio retail runs with him. So, you know, and over the years, Raz has been a real good friend to me. Uh, we have a good history, and he bodied his verse, too. Yeah. So um, I love seeing all all the merch you guys have, you know, because you have some of the best logos. I mean, like the artifacts, I, I think you call it the marker logo mm-hmm. for the sweatshirts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Growing up, like just seeing that on on the albums immediately, we we loved it. Like me and my friends, we all we all wrote graffiti a little bit, and you know, and uh, you know, we'd steal paint markers and spray can spray paint cans and stuff. And then you guys came out, and we saw the logo. We saw you know, there's a, I think it's the Dynamite Soul 12 inch. There's a picture you, with you and Tame, and yeah, in the room, and it's yeah, just yeah. A, the room full of graffiti on the wall. Yeah. And then we see the train car, you know, with the giant artifacts logo that you guys actually sell now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, when we first heard uh, the first album, Between a Rock and a Hard Place, it was it's crazy because the beats are all insane. You know, we all loved Red Man. He he was on it. And um, also, uh, just your lyrics, like you were saying, it's like you don't need any guest appearances, really. Like you guys were just so sharp, and then you're talking about graffiti as well. So it was it was a perfect combination, you know. And uh, so that's that's been one of my favorite albums ever since it came out, really. Nah, I appreciate that. I mean, for the, all the red, all the music we've done after that record, you know, we never tried to like top that record. That yeah. was kind of like hard to do because you got to think of all the things that went into play to have that record come out. And then for the second one to come out, sounding so totally different from the first one. It yeah. was like we was thinking of the future when we made that record, not knowing what was spawned after that. You know, working with Sean J. Period, you know, he got to work with Boot Camp after that, uh, Most Dev. You know, he did the body rock joint with Q-Tip and Tash. You know, so, like, we we always tried to make music that was not the same, even for ourselves. So even even with the features being in the, in the same with that, only to have Lord Jamar, Lord Finesse on the second album, you know, that was, like, that was it. <laughs> Guess that was what? crazy. Like, honestly, like, I, I bought that album the day it came out, and I saw that, they, that Lord Finesse was on there, and he's always been... Uh, I've always said he's probably the most slept on MC ever, you know, right, he right. absolutely murders his, his verses on there. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, I had heard artifacts that the, on the college radio, you know, before the album came out, you know, uh-huh. and I don't know what, what that guy's saying, that noise he's making the, you know, where he's singing at the beginning, kind of. The, yeah. 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 But, <laughs> like uh, the, it's so catchy. Funk, funkadelic parliament type of shit they would do yeah, it's so catchy and and just the beat was just incredible, you know. And uh, it is a lot different the sound. I feel like it's like a more polished sound for you guys. Like uh, the first album's so grimy and just, yeah, it's so raw the album. And um, yeah, I love both both albums. Um, but um, let's take them back a little bit further. I I actually I saw that um, I was always wondering like how you guys got that first album out and. Uh, it looks like you, Tame, or you called up Stretch and Bobito. Yeah, right? yeah, Tame, Tame called. Yeah, Tame called up the station. Cause we listened to Stretch and them early when they came on, so it was like, uh, 
when they first was like on the radio and, and Tame called up and won the contest and he told me about it. He was like, yo, um, I want this thing. I want to, I want to, you know, let's go up there. You know, he could have went by himself, you know what I'm saying? But he, he wanted me to come with him. So we, we had songs already, you know, we was, that's them as a group. So, you know, we wasn't artifacts at all. We were just, we just went up there and, um, freestyle for like 15, 20 minutes straight. And we stayed up there. They liked me and Tame. You know, they got the, you know, asking us for our numbers and everything. We were just like, oh, shit, what's going on? And they invited us out to the city, and we started meeting everybody. John Schechter, my man Reef, Scott Free, everybody that was affiliated with each other, that was friends but worked on different labels. And Stretch worked at Big Beat. Uh, Bobito worked at uh, uh, Def Jam. So, you know, we didn't know all this was, you know, like that until – you know, we started meeting everybody, and and um, one thing led to another. Uh, Reef was friends with them, and um, they stretch pretty much brought us up to Big Beat, and the rest is history. It sounds like it just happened really fast, and it's all fell into place almost. Yeah, I mean, it was funny because like out here, uh, out of the elite groups of Jersey, you know, me and Tame came late. You know, so it was like, but when we came. You know, we came a different way. You know, we one of the only groups in Jersey to not be put out by somebody. You know, we came out on our own. Uh, you know, but that Stretch and Bob show is what got us our start. You know, even when we went up to BB, they like, what's the name of your group? We're like, that's them. They're like, mm, that's not going to work. <laughs> that's not going to work. So we were defeated a little bit. Like, well, so what are we going to call us up? So we going back home to Jersey. We just like, okay. Uh, I'm looking at Tan, he's looking at me, and something just bang. I was like, artifacts. I don't know why I said that, but it just wow. made sense for what we stood for. You know, we were still doing graffiti, still, you know, from B-Boy Tactics and all this shit like that. And it just, it just, you know, wasn't no Google back then. So we had to go home and we knew what it meant, but it was like we looked in an encyclopedia, a dictionary, and it was the same as what we felt we was doing at in 94, 90, I mean, 92, 93, it wasn't a lot of talk about graffiti. It wasn't, B-boying was going out of style. So it, no, nobody was talking about elements of hip-hop. I'm just trying to say it like that until we came. Right. You know, nobody was talking about graffiti. Nobody was talking about none of this stuff that started. You know, it was just everybody was making albums. And when we came, we, I think that with what me and Tane was talking about, and when you saw us, you know, a lot of people thought we was from New York when we first talked, when we first came out until they saw the video and they saw Newark police and New Jersey transit buses. I think that confused people because, you know, with us sounding like we did, it wasn't nothing like that from Jersey. When you talk about, say, the traditional parts of hip hop. Right. But, you know, graffiti not supposed to come from New Jersey. I'm wearing polo shit. That's, that's, that's what they felt like. That was a Brooklyn, New York thing. Uh, team had the dreads, but he he played a part of where that was the grimy side of artifacts. Just, you know, where it's like we fit the mold of what everybody looked like, and it just yeah. so happened that we was graffiti artists. We talked about the elements. We didn't look like I won't say nerds or nothing like that, but we looked like everybody else. Yeah. So it was like our sound was accessible, just like we were as artists where people could really talk to us and touch us. It wasn't so like, you know, we were standoffish or unapproachable, you know? So like, 
it was almost like we became what the Avengers became for people that go to the movies that like to see comic books come to life. That's how me and Tane was with our music when it come from the hip hop that we came from. Yeah. So um, how did you and Tane meet and what came first, the rapping or graffiti with you guys? Well, Tane, me and Tane met through mutual friends, my man Jay Byrne and Polo Ice. Um, I went to school with Jay Byrne and um, Ice knew Tame and I knew Ice, but we never knew each other. So uh, 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 Jay Byrne put me in the uh, in a crew called the Boss Mob. My man Rhino CMZ, he was he was like our Juice Crew, Molly Maul. Uh, we all did demos with him, and one day I was working on some stuff, and um, I saw Tame's name on the wall, and I was like, "Wow!" I said, "That's that dude. I, I see his name all the time." So I said, he rapped too. He's like, yeah, he played me his songs. I was like, damn. So I said, he rapped just as good as he paint. And one day he came over there when I was there. And this was maybe like 1988. So we've been, we've known each other wow. since then. And we did our first song at, in that year. And we got to doing one song, more songs. And then we got to chilling more together. We became friends. Then everything else I told you before, what I just said, just happened. You know, yeah. and um. Me and Tame were like yin and yang. I always tell people like, and that's for real. I'm telling you. Like, I always told him, if we make an album cover, we should make one like the Our Couple. <laughs> I, of course, I'm be Felix Unger. He Austin Madison. <laughs> like, yo, that's me and him to the T. You know what i We always laughed about it, but we should have did it. But that's like, you know, but that's what made us dope together because musically we blended and we meshed. You know, even though we both had different styles, that's what I think drew people to us too. You know, with him being more metaphoric than me and me being more technical, it was like the things that I was doing, he didn't do, and the things he was doing, I didn't do, but we made up for it and being together. Yeah. So if you actually um, look on YouTube, if you look up Artifacts demo, there's like four or five songs I saw come up. Um, can you tell us anything about those tracks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, um, we put a whole album out album out of our demos on Smoke On Records. It was called That's Them, The Lost Files. Uh, those songs that you uh, see on YouTube are on one record together. So maybe like 10, 10 or 12 songs. Okay. Uh, one side is all, all the songs that my man Rhino produced. The other side is me and my man Pig, uh guy I grew up with doing music with um as far as uh in that stage and um yeah i mean we, we uh, it was maybe one song uh attack of new jerusalem uh we it was a demo version we did that i produced and um we didn't use it we use it for the album so that the same book we hear on buck wild attack of new jerusalem is on the version we did on our own yeah. uh and and we have a few demos that's on youtube but uh, yeah, if you look that up, even you, you hear the one uh, for anybody that doesn't know. Um, the first uh, wrong side of the tracks uh, demo version was produced by uh, Lord Jamar. Uh, we produced, we made this song in Sadat's basement and his crib when they was in, and we was in New Rochelle, and um, we couldn't clear the sample for that song. So the version that you hear today with T Ray is the second version of that song. So if you okay. go on YouTube and put in artifacts demo for wrong side of the tracks, you'll hear James Brown sample and Lord Jamar. 
doing the hook. Yeah, yeah, I did listen to that actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, so since you mentioned him, uh, I love the production T Ray does, the songs he produces on mm-hmm. the first album. Um, and I actually know mostly from that album, but I, I looked up the other uh, stuff he's done. He's that he actually has like a huge, pretty impressive discography and stuff. Oh yeah, even, even rock music. But like, how did you guys link up with him? And uh, do you still talk to him? And and do you think you'll ever work with him again? I talk to T Ray every now and then. Um, more over the years. Um, Todd was like an intricate part in what me and Tame brought. He produced half of that first album, and he yeah. gave us some gems, man. He, you know, my favorites from Todd was uh, Dynamite Soul original version and Flex It with the Tech. Because mm. we came in the we came in the studio when he was actually making Flex It with the Tech. We got off the elevator and that shit was just rocking. We was like, what? Oh, it was just we heard the bass line. Boom, doom, 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 doom. Then then he was making that, and we came in the room. He barely had the drums on it. We was like, yo, who is this for? He said, hey, man, if y'all want it, y'all can have it. <laughs> we was like, bad. Yo, we just put the pen down, notebooks down. We started rolling up and just started damn writing. And that's when he started putting the drums on it. I was like, damn. So, like, we, that song came out. We did that song so fast. And I think we went home, and that's when we, after we did the vocals, and we were thinking about doing the hook, and that's when we did J-Rue Come Clean. The text mm-hmm. technique, because he's the technique. And we actually, we had the same publicist as J.Ru. J- and he was in the office one day when we went in there, and I told him about it. And I think he maybe have heard it through the publicist. And I asked him if it was cool for him that we used that. He's like, yo, that's dope. I'm glad to be on it. <laughs> so <laughs> so that was, those two songs stick out to me. Um, Todd was very good to me and Tame. And showing us the ropes of what we was doing, uh, especially in the studio. He, he he coached me a lot, taught me a lot as far as my vocals and where I wanted to be and find myself in my in my pocket. And um, I needed that because you know coming out for the first time, you're not always gonna know what to do. Yeah. So Todd Todd he gave us our sound just as much as Sean J. Period on the second album. It, you know he gave us a sound for us. To, a, a new sound, and and if T if T Ray right now called me and told me he had a beat for me, I would take it, especially yeah. if it sounded like anything what we were doing. Right. So, um, were you guys surprised by the success of Wrong Side of the Tracks? Yes, yes, because you know I remember we had a listening session for all these magazines, and I remember. Um, the, all the writers were there, and, and, and we got through two songs. And when it got the wrong side, after it was over, everybody just kept asking to play it again, play it again, play it again, like eight times. People at the label was there was looking at us like, I guess we could say we know what the single is. And, you know, out of all of those songs, we didn't know that was going to be the one to stick out. And then I guess it pulled out a lot of cats, uh, heartstrings, whereas that a song was never made about graffiti. You know, yeah. and... It was something that we all do, something that we all know somebody that do it or we've seen it and admired it, you know, but it was never, it, it, and we, we didn't know it would become an anthem for all graffiti writers in the world. We didn't know people was going to go out paying to that song. We didn't, I mean, we talking about the toughest of the tough dudes, Cali, Cats, everything, man. We, you know, 
that gave us a pass to go through every ghetto in the, in the world, you know, and then to, to have these people recognize us in a way of where they felt like somebody that was like them. Like I said, again, somebody that was like all of the rest of the people who didn't feel like they was getting represented, represented far as on the level of being a graffiti artist, where it was just vandalism to some people when we dedicated a song to that. Yeah. So would you say there's any graffiti writers that stand out as your favorites? Yeah, man. I mean, I was I have a few Mo too. Uh he was definitely an influence looking at you know graffiti writers coming up scene, Zephyr, Futura, you know, I'll even put the whole FC crew, TC five, you know, they did all the artwork for the wrong side of the trash video. Uh, if anybody doesn't know, these are the, group, the dudes that was responsible for PNB Nation. So we talking about West, Brew, Surge, you know, a lot of these cats taught Tame and had him in a Lose, my man Lose from New York, the uh, FC crew, Keo, my man Malik out here in Jersey, DJ Porno, Mellow Max, a lot of these cats from Jersey, J. Rue, NRG, you know, uh, these were the crews that grew up in my area. You know, and, and and that new New York cast. So we was in the con art office. We met CBS crew affiliates, and um, you know, I'm I'm just happy that we was able to make something for them to even let us come on board. You know. Yeah. So um, who did the artifacts marker logo that's on the albums? Okay, the logo was done by. Uh, I if you ever remember this clothing called Third Rail. This dude named Dante, he had a, a company called Pawn Shop Press. And he did a lot of logos and artwork for Cypress Hill, uh, all of their albums, all the way up to, I want to say, Black Sunday. Did a, little, a lot of uh, funk dubious artwork, uh, a, lot of, a lot of logos in the industry. Um, but he did, when, I remember when he told us he was able to do what he was doing. And we didn't believe him. And then he he actually did a wall of that that artifacts piece is on, was on a wall. And when he showed us, he did some like other kind of piece, but he showed us why it was like for me the first usage of Photoshop that was like extra crazy because people actually think that train is real. That's on the cover, and it's not. Yeah, I thought I just, maybe I thought maybe it wasn't for some reason that it was. I disappointed a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people in interviews when I told them that train wasn't real. And then I tell them to look at the album cover and look at the windows on the train. Look at, like, you know, it, it, we posted that picture together with the subway art book artwork. Uh, uh, she gave us that. And we, we actually put all that stuff together piece by piece. And the train, uh, when he first did one, I think he did a piece of, of Snoop Dogg and did Snoop Face and mm. showed it and then put it. We was like, oh, my God. Like, yo, he showed us the wall first and the you know, he did everything himself. And yeah. that shit, we we was like, that's crazy he did that. So, you know, and Ego Trip named that album cover one of the best covers uh, in hip-hop. And I think we thanked him forever for that. You know, uh, a lot of people think me and Tane wrote that uh, logo, but over the years, you see it so much, you start to adapt to know how to write it like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, he, he uh, Third Rail Clothing, he did a lot of he did that. If anybody knows the third rail, if you have any clothing by him, you look at them letters. Even if you go on the internet, you look up third rail clothing and you look at the letters, it's the same as the artifact letters. Hmm. 
So you guys actually put out um, one of my favorite 12-inch singles in the 90s with the Dynamite Soul original and remix, and uh-huh. then also Who I Am. Uh, were yeah. these songs done right after the album, or, or were they done before the album was put out? Oh, no. no. After we did, uh, uh, they, we, we, we knew we were getting a single for Dynamite Soul, and um, Matt Skills had just got on the label, and he just happened to be in the city. And I knew he was out there, and I told him, yo, come to the studio. And we was the first ones to put him on wax um, after he got his deal. Uh, uh, who I Am, we had a, you know, Easy LP did the remix. And we, we was like, he played this one other beat for us. We was like, damn. So we need that one, too. So we we gave we got, him, we got that from him. That's like one of the songs I can say me and Tame had that snuck out of nowhere. Like a cult classic, because a yeah. lot of people don't. A lot of people don't talk about it unless they have that record. So, you know, that's one of the, one. That's the one thing about records that I like. The B side always went. That beat is crazy. For yeah, me, I, I love that beat. <laughs> <laughs> you guys uh, always have had a crazy year for beats and working with great producers. I I'm curious to know if there's any gems that you're sitting on like any unreleased tracks from the 90s or even from the new album um i i, I would say far as that question um we didn't me and team didn't make a lot of songs that was on the cutting room floor um we were very calculated with that you know we didn't believe in doing a whole bunch of songs that wasn't say good yeah. and try to sit on them or something like that um, but there are a lot of features that's going to come out with me and Tame on them. No different than my man Kick Beats uh, records. These are songs that we we did over the last few, four years, maybe three. Um, just being being on the road. But a lot of other, a lot of the songs are done. Like, like you know, recording them in the same way we did this album, but probably not on our own release. It's going to be on other people's stuff. Um, and as far as like picking the beats, uh, you know, working with T Ray was was a was a you know that was a treat. You know, having multiple songs with Buckwild, having multiple songs with Sean J. Period. I guess like with Sean, Sean came to the studio a lot when we did the first album, so we watched his progression. Where like when he came to the studio when we first started working with him on the second album. It was like he would have 10 beats and like two would be dope, four, six, all the even numbers and shit. Like, we was like, how is it that every time I get to like two, four, and six, and eight, them shit would be dope? The other ones wasn't bad, but he would get all of the songs that we picked on the album, the beats was numbers four, eight, six. So we, I asked him, like, yo, is, is, is that like a plan? Some shit you planned out? He said, yo, like, that was me just y'all kept picking the ones that was that was like that. Mm. So I was like, all right, well shit. Okay. You know, let's keep it keep it in that in that format then. You know, so like to have a guy like Sean, Sean brought like multiple t- things in the studio to make sound, weather vane, refrigerator rack. He didn't have a shaker, he put grits inside a oregano jar. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, I was thought that was kind of ingenious. I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. Um you know, a lot of a lot of things that, you know, I never is the same way we're doing features. I never want a beat that sound like something I would hear somebody else on. 
So right. a lot of the tracks you hear, we try to pick the more obscure or the ones like like the Artifacts beat. You know, that beat, it, you know, I can't even explain it. It was a sound that we never heard before. So Sean, a lot of his beats was like that, not, not sampled to your chest. You know, records like where your skills at. You listed them beats sonic sonically. Them beats was crazy. They mixed my man Duro helped to mix them songs. You know, this is what I look for. Even with say like on my even on my solo stuff with like Ilmine, the first placement Ilmine Ilmine got was with me. Where like you know when I heard his beats on the CD, I didn't know which one to pick. But when they got to that crop leader song, I was like, damn, what I what? Mm. I was like, what was he thinking about when he made this? Like, oh, I, I mean, I never heard a beat like that before. And to this day, that's one of my solo hit records because you want, you know, when you grow up listening to making the Soul Brother albums and Trial Court Quest albums, Main Source albums, you those are records when you look at them and you listen to them is what made you want to, made me want to rap and be, in, and even in that same breath as those artists because KRS-One albums, you know what I'm saying? These beats were big and they stood out. Cypress Hill, Public Enemy, you you get used to these records when and when that that was like the 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 bar for me, you know that I knew that if we had songs like that, we we could go far. And yeah. I told him that's what we need to do. Hmm. So, um, what was it like being in New Jersey? Like Naughty by Nature just dropped, Redman, you know, was everywhere, <laughs> and then you guys come up out of nowhere, kind of. You know, with the with the first album, we, was there just crazy shows going on all the time? Well, we was you know coming from where we at, like Naughty was the group in the neighborhood. I went to school with them, so you, you know you you saw when you saw hip hop, you saw them. That's what Jer- Jersey hip hop looked like, and when, and it was like a trickle. You know, they came and Lord, uh, Lord, poor, poor righteous teachers, YZ, you know, King Son. You know, this is all Jersey hip hop. And the West Ward of New Jersey, as far as Newark, and you look when I say West Ward, that's like where we all came from. We all the all the dudes like that, like Redman, the Lords of the Underground, you know, treaching them. We all in the same area, but like Newark, West Ward was where everybody came from. You know, as far as like the cats, people you know, like for us. It was like, you know, <laughs> when you talk about Redman and Naughty, you know, everything after that, Lord, everything after that is like you make your way. You yeah. know, and, 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 and that's what me and Tame did. We All Jersey artists sound different. You never know where everybody's from. You know what I'm right. saying? Like like New York, you listen to cats, you could tell from Queens, you could tell who from Brooklyn, Harlem. Jersey, you know, you wouldn't think that Four Righteous Teachers came from Trenton, but then you ask yourself, what did the Trenton rapper sound like? Mm. It was just we all was different, um, but we all we all, and it's funny too. Like we we was different in New York in a way where Jersey artists didn't work together all the time, not until like the later latter years in all our careers, you know. Because the one thing with Jersey artists, we always felt like we can't. We was never accepted in New York coming from Jersey, so we always had to fight for hours. So like when, but in that fighting, you uh. You, 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 we all tended to go in our corners, you know, at home. You know what I'm saying? We, this was naughty artifacts, but we never really like came together like New Yorkers did. We're on each other's records. 
And that was and, and that's not like say that we didn't want to, but because you always fighting to be seen, that's what we all was continuously doing. Cause we all had to be reminded that we wasn't from New York. So yeah. over the years that changed. You know, me and Do It All got a bunch of songs together. I've done songs and that's that's why why me and K Def became the enforcers, you know, things like that. Even K Def doing remixes for us as artifacts. You know, that was the thing that I think we dropped the ball on, but made up for it later on in shows and tours and stuff like that. And we could work together. But yeah, I mean, we we always was, you know, different from New York. So is it true that Redman is Tame's cousin? Did I we, see that? It's, like, it's like how we say in the streets, you know what I'm saying? My cousin such stuff. <laughs> so they're not really related. No, nah, they're not blood cousins, but okay. cousin through the street. All right. Um, so were you surprised when, when like Naughty by Nature blew up and, and stuff like that? And, and well, Batman? yeah, because like when Naughty came out, they was called New Style and in my and out of my school. And they, they took off and then things happened and then they came back again as Naughty by Nature. I, I got off work one day. I'm going I'm going home. I get in the house. I see this video and I'm looking at the video and they're talking about OPP. I'm like, wait a minute, though. That look like trash. I wow. see Vinny, and, and I'm like, and they look totally different than they did when they first came out, hmm. you know. So it was like, damn, and that shit came out, and it just grew and grew and grew and grew, and they just, I was like, wow, you know, it was just like a whole transformation, three sixty, and to see them blow up like that, I was proud. I was happy for them, very, very happy. You know, what I'm saying it was right after that, then, then Redman, then you know. And then we came later, you know, but it was like, I felt like when me and Tim came, we was like, we just, we joined the club. It was like, yeah, we here, you know? And, and it was dope to see, even for everybody to see, we all took a turn and uh, being happy for each other when we all came out. Yeah. I mean, 94 is, I think it's one of the best years ever in hip hop for releases. And like, yeah, yeah, time, yeah. That, that was a lot. A lot of people came out like, maybe, yeah, the Common came out with an album, Beating Us, Biggie, yeah. Red, Red Man, fucking Method Man, Craig Mack, everybody. And here come, and we was right in, in the thick of all of that. Yeah, we how had does a, it feel looking back at that? And, like, did you guys know at the time, like, you were, like, kind of part of history at the moment? Hell yeah, because the label was put pressure on us where we was like, shit. You know, they we, we sold about 10,000 records that week, and they couldn't believe it. Just because of the competition that we was up against, like Keith Murray put out a record, I think Eric, it was like everybody put out a record in '94, mm. and and because the wrong side, that helped our record a lot. Yeah, you know, and we was like the baby of that those releases, but we we held our own. And, yeah, you know, the label. I'm sorry, the label told us. You know what I'm saying? Like y'all y'all coming out this week. When these records come out, we like, damn, we ain't gonna have a chance, and we did. Yeah, that's, I don't know, it's it's crazy just looking back. I, I think like ninety, I don't know, it's hard to decide like ninety two or ninety three to ninety seven, but I just that time period of the nineties is so crazy. And then you guys come out, I don't know, it, it's like uh, I feel like artifacts, the signal kind of came up out of nowhere. Like I, yeah, I mean, like I said, radio, we, I listened to a show a lot, and then all of a sudden. Everyone was excited, you know, when that beat came on uh, for Artifacts. You know, it was it was it was so different, and it just had like a really clean sound. 
And uh, yeah, just uh, I don't know. Those are, I, I, I think about great times for music. Yeah, man. I, I think about how, what what age we were, even when we made these records. You know, what I'm saying like when you, when you talk about all the people that came out and the people that's not here, mm. you think about that process of time. You know, I'm like, damn. You know, we got the deal. 92, 93, 94, we put the record out. 96, we put the second album out. And then, you know, everything happened. We, but it seemed like it took, took long. But it was yeah. just, it was quick at the same time. And, you know, I compared 94 albums that was released to 1998. I mean, 1988, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. That was a year crazy, too. Big Daddy Kane, Biz, all these, G-Rap, everybody came out in 88. Just the same as like it was, you know, with I think KRS album was like 87, 88. Uh with, with by any means necessary. So like, you know, when you look at 94 in that way and that whole era where you was introduced to boot camp and alcoholics, beat nuts and common and organized confusion, you look at all that time period and how it's not like that now. It right. make you cher- it make you cherish those times because that's was all of us growing up with the industry. And learning at the same time. Yeah, so it it seems like um it seems like you guys knew a lot of these people like even before you put out the first album from the sounds of it, it sounds like you you, you connected with a lot of artists, you know, right from the start. So um yeah. how did how did you first connect with uh Lord Finesse and how did that track collaboration of Mike's come about? Well, um and I, I, I think I probably messed up when you asked me about that with Buck, how we met him. We met Buck through the same way we met Finesse. Uh, through uh, when they told us that we we couldn't, we was like, first album, we trying to get like Primo, P-Rock, Lost Pro. They're like, y'all ain't got enough money for that. But I was like, all right, well, fuck it. I was like, who that dude that did the Camp Front record uh, with, with Diamond and Sadat and Finesse? He was like, oh, that's uh, Buck Wild. I was like, all right, cool. Now, Finesse it was funny how that happened. Finesse and Buck and DITs and everything. We worked with Buck before Finesse. And then worked with Showbiz after Finesse. But it was the same thing. Like Finesse knew what we did with Buck. And because he knew us personally, I remember uh Finesse we was we me and Tan came out of the Zulu Nation event in New York. Um we came out of the New York hotel. Is pouring cats and dogs, and Finesse pulled up on the corner where we was at. He was like, he just screamed out the window, yo, I got something for y'all. He was like, damn, yo, it was raining so hard. <laughs> he had to be ready. I don't know how he did this, but we, it was like we stuck our head in the car. I mean, it's raining so hard, B. We fucking, uh, he played the beat, and we was getting wet on our back, but listening to this beat, I was like, damn. Like, so he's like, yo, he's like, I'm going to give y'all this tape. Cause it was like on a mixtape he had made, so he gave it to us, and then we met him. At, now, mind you, ain't no sending files and shit like that, so we had to go meet him at the studio just to do the. And then we had to agree right there to do the song with him, so we could get all the process going. And there's a version of collaboration of mics that nobody has. It's only a, two verses with me and Tane. Mm. And um, finesse after we was finished, we was like looking at him like, "All right, your turn." He looked at us and was like, "Man." I'm going on to write my shit. Me and Tane wrote that shit right there on the spot. He was like, yo, y'all niggas trying to kill me on this track right now. I ain't doing that. So I'm wow. to come. And, then, and that's when the, turn, the song turned into all of us 
and I called Jamar right after that happened. And I was like, yo, I got, you know, this track I want you to get on. I went to Brooklyn, went to his crib where he was at at the time, played in the beat. He's like, damn, I'm on this shit. Don't even, don't even ask me again. And the song came out to be, and that was a classic session too. Like, I remember Fat Joe coming, Showbiz coming. Yo, it was this one big dude that was with, with Fat Joe. Mm. And he came in the room. He had a record bag and everything. And Chaos getting ready to do the cuts, right? And Fat Joe came to me like, yo, yo, my man right here is going to do the cuts. Mind you, I'm like, I don't know this dude, but he was so big. We, What, what, we, what can we say? <laughs> so Chaos, I was like, well, let, let Chaos do the beginning cuts. You know what I'm saying? And then your man could do it. He was not even trying to conversate it. He came in the room and Joe was just like, nah, he doing the cuts. All right, your man could do the beginning, but he doing the hook. I'm like, all right. My man started cutting. I was like, I looked at Chaos like, yo, he's good. Leave him alone. <laughs> you know, and that's how we met Rock Raider. It was the same oh, way wow. with, with, with Buck. But Raider, Buck brought Raider with him to do scratches if he didn't have a hook, if the artist didn't have a hook. So we met Raider the same way. He, he, he did, Raider, Rock Raider did all the cuts on the album, that, that especially with the songs that Buck did. Attacking New Jerusalem, Dynamite. Uh, well, he did cuts on Dynamite Soul. Um, yeah. But he did all the cuts on Attacking New Jerusalem, Come On To Get Down. You know, all this was, was Raider. So yeah. with Finesse doing that, you know, and then after that, working with Showbiz, and then Showbiz, and then we even worked with LP. He's LP is like a a member of, kind of like a member of DITC too, but that's what Showbiz was like, yo, I see Buck did a song with y'all, you know, uh, uh, LP, you know, LP, I ain't gonna say he even, you know what I'm saying, but I, I got you, I got you. <laughs> so he was like, I want to know what the magic is like when we did, the, and that's why we did the Ultimate Remix with him. Mm-hmm. And and then Diamond is the only one that producer wise out of DITC we didn't get to work with yet, hmm. but but we have a history with him as well. Yeah. So you know, you know, like I even asked AG one time we was on on tour. I was like, yo, man, y'all might as well make team me and Tame unofficial members of DITC because we work with all Abe, hey, all y'all. Right. I got a song with OC. I got a song with AG. So you know, I mean, yeah. AG on on the song with me and with me and Sadat. And I got one. I got three songs with AG by myself, and that's when I asked him. I said, "Come on, I, I think I did enough work." So he's like, "Now nah, you got to talk the show." <laughs> but I was like, "I knew that's I'm impossible." So I'm just, I'm just joking. So, were you guys planning on, like, all along was the plan to put out a third album after that's them? Um, no, you know, we we were just happy to get back together as a group in 2008 and just go back on the road and stuff like that. Until this guy stepped to us about doing this album, we was doing one. We was actually doing one. You know, no no beats from Buck, but we was actually working on some stuff. And then the situation fell in our lap. So, and and then two years later, we would be here. Yeah. So was it crazy for you um, when you started making solo albums? Like, it's it's nuts to me that Relax, uh, Relate and Release is twenty years old now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like. It's, that record is just as old as my uh my son. My okay. son was born uh when I was making this album. Actually, I went on tour 2003 and um early early April and by the time I came home from tour my son was born 2 days later, April 25th. Wow. So he's just he's a symbol of that record, you know, and 
time goes fast, my brother. Time goes very fast. When I look at all these releases, I look at the unusual. When that came out, 2016, I mean, I'm sorry, 2006, you know, these records, you know, stand the test of time a little bit, you know, but it just really shows you actually how time, how fast it goes as well. Yeah. So would you say there's a country that you've been to touring uh, where you get the most love and where you have the most fans, you think, besides the U.S.? Definitely Europe. Definitely Europe. Uh, Japan as well. I think Japan has, for me, Europe a little bit beat when it comes to the uh, dedication of the fans. But then is then again, me saying that, the, my experiences in both places have been kind of this kind of similar yeah just different different culture different uh nationalities you know what i'm saying so it's like i love it i don't take that for granted you know i'm, I'm actually planning on going back to europe right right now booking the tour uh they really you know i hate when people say they appreciate hip-hop more than us they love hip-hop just as much as we do you know you That's gotta think to about it. yeah you know it, it's like when you think about basketball in a way of how I look. I look, I attain a lot of hip-hop to sports. You know, the European cats caught up like they caught up the basketball with the way they get their music. is real time now. It ain't like they two years behind us and, you know, shit like that. So it's just, you know, everybody able to, and we able to take advantage of that as well. You know, not just us going over there, like Snow Goons, my, man, my people from Germany, they have services now for, for people that, want to uh, promote their records and they do that on their site. Uh, they do. And, and that's easier for us. Even if we can't make it over there, they, they supply a lot of that for us. Whereas like they were one of the people responsible for bringing artists over and, you know, DJ legal, you know, this, he, he's a real good guy. Even they turned their one thing into something else and a whole bigger operation. So that, that helps us a lot as well being over there. Yeah, definitely shout out to them. Uh, they were on the show not long ago, actually. Okay. Um. So. Uh, and, and and as far as like, uh, you asked me about the records that's uh, we had not coming out yet. Oh yeah. Um. Uh, well, like I said, uh, um, we're gonna work on some remixes for this for this album, uh, some seven inch remixes, and um, probably more than likely remix the album, um. As as a special thing, what do you I'm not gonna say one two producer or multiple producers. Nah, it's gonna be multiple, multiple. Yeah, just to stretch out the record a little bit more. Yeah, I really like that. That's a great idea. Especially because... with the especially with the seven inches when we do the remixes on there. So, is that mainly because there's no other tracks coming out brand new with you guys? Like that's it. That's all you record. Well, the brand, the only brand new songs we got that's gonna come out. Is gonna be on um, my man's uh, Kick Beats project and uh, and uh, Cali. Other than that, whatever features we've done with uh, other producers uh, that'll come out is is uh, my man Sam Kratz. He got one coming out with me and that me and Team did uh, as a single. So th- these are things that people could look out for. Unfortunately, we didn't do like uh, a lot of songs where we can say vocal wise we can take tame vocals and put them on a track or stuff we've had already done those are the ones that's going to come out that are left yeah. that we recorded so when you were um 
last year were you still making any solo music or were you mostly just focused on the group project oh man no i got i got a ton I know of you had a lot of features yeah definitely a lot of features in the last couple of years um but i have like a bunch of albums recorded. Um, me and my man Mint Plus, we recorded an album in 2012 that we're actually about to release finally. Um, yeah, a lot of things go on with politics in the game, but uh, fortunately, thanks to certain friends I have, my man Chillo out in uh, Belgium, he helped mix this record for me. Um, so yeah, that's coming out soon. Me and my friend Tony Galvin, Galvin, he passed away a couple of years ago. Uh, we worked on an album that's going to finally come out this year called Man Machine. Um, I have uh, a record with my man A Sharp. He's a producer from here in Jersey. We got a whole album that's uh, we, we mixing right now that's going to come out soon. Um, and I can let everybody know that me and Sadat X are working on the new XL album. It's called, mm -hmm. it's, of course, it's going to be called Double XL. So <laughs> we're working on that as we speak. And um, yeah, that'll be coming probably by the end of the year or next year. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of stuff. Oh, no, trust me. Listen, I a lot of this. For the Tony Galvin Project, videos are already shot. Everything's already done. We're getting the artwork done right now. Uh, my man Scam, Scam 2. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, he, he, yeah, he's working on the, um, the artwork for the album. And we'll probably be releasing the single in that in probably, like, March. Yeah. So um, how'd you link up with Jake Palumbo? Because um, I do know him from online. He sends me tracks. From yeah, show and stuff. Yeah, man. Jake met through me just having to do a remix with Shabam Sadiq that Jake actually produced. Uh, yeah. So I went to record it, and while I was there, you know, we got to smoking, and I was like, I asked Jake play me some beats, and the first beat he played me was uh, uh, a few. He played me a few joints, but he played me some stuff. I was like, okay. We need to. I'm on. I need to record on that. I need. He, and every time I went to the studio to record something, he played me something else. And then I was like, you know what? We might as well just do an album because we already was like three tracks in, and this was just for me going to the studio just to do a remix and was supposed to leave. And we wound up doing a whole project. And um, you know I, that that record I'm very happy with. You know, just you know, you look at Jake. And you didn't think you would think you wouldn't think he would have them beats like that. <laughs> he would not think he got that heat. So when he was playing that shit, man, I'm looking at him like, get out of here, you bro. You know what I'm saying? But then he was like, oh, like, you know, I knew that those beats he played me wasn't stuff he was gonna rhyme. You know, yeah. but he did tell me that a lot of these people heard these beats, L, and they passed them by. And I was like, No, oh, come on, let's go give them to me. You know, so that it so and then and we're also gonna work on another album as well. Yeah, I thought it seems like from your social media, like you guys are going to be doing a lot of stuff together in the future. Oh, yeah. Probably. Oh, yeah. You know, we, that first one was was dope as hell. But now that we know each other and Jake know me and the type of style I like, I like. But it, it's always like I said, man, you're going to find something in everybody that's for yourself. And, yeah. and you know, producers, when you're well-rounded, you have a sound for everybody. Yeah. So is there anything else um, besides the shows and um, the albums coming out that you're looking forward to in 2022? Like any, any other big plans? Um, man, my biggest plan right now is to, you know, push this artifacts record out as much as I can and, and, you know, get the world to know that it's out there 
and and actually from there, use that as a springboard to continue my solo career. You know, no matter what, I'm going to always be an artifact. Uh, the tradition lives on. You know, even without me and Tame making new music, I would hope that people will hold on to what we made and the new songs that's to come. Uh, you know, just cherish that. You know, because yeah. even for myself, I have to live with the fact that I know that's not going to be any more records like that either. Right. And, and it's going to be my job to still uphold the sound and and keep that that whole what we started off going. Yeah. So when do you think people can expect that video? Okay, yeah. So now right now I'm I'm waiting to get a date to actually get the video shot. So I was saying between now and, and the beginning of February, um okay. we're gonna get it we're gonna get it um going. So immediately after the edit, you know, so I say sometime in February maybe everybody see the sec- the second the second uh video. All right. So um you have a ton of merch for artifacts. Um I was surprised you even have mugs. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything has trains, mugs, hats. Um, do you have do you have, do you put every release on vinyl now? Well, because that's the most uh, thing everybody wants. It's going to definitely be vinyl all the time. I'm yeah. trying to figure out a way to get some seven inches done and pressed up in America, because uh, a lot of a lot of vinyl plays is not in America no more. So I'm trying to figure that part out to where. You know, when I, I do a lot of shows, so I like to have a lot of merch at the table. You know, people don't have to wait for shipping and stuff like that, especially when you go overseas. So it's good to have all this stuff on the table. I tell a lot of groups and artists, always have merch. You know what I'm saying? It don't cost a lot to make it, but always have it. You know, it's, you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't have this stuff for these fans. You know, we have to give them something to hold on to rather than just our music. And they're spending a lot of money on music as well. So it don't hurt to have your merch be affordable. You know, don't go too crazy. You know, make it enough where it's, you know, because people are not stupid either. So I, I try to make enough stuff, whether it be mugs, markers, hats. You know, I'm even ready to make umbrellas and toilet paper for, for all that matters <laughs> to me. <laughs> so it's like, you know, we, we have to give people something, give them back something rather than just us asking them to, to buy music. They would like to buy a little bit more as well as something to remember us by, you know, whether in the t-shirt always works t-shirt always works hoodie always works so i always i always had this dream in my mind that i was going to show up at an artifact show or elder sensei show and everybody in the crowd got to have gonna have some more artifacts so and, and and that's more than a dream than a nightmare <laughs> yeah yeah those that shirt that logo on the shirt and the, the hoodies is is perfect yeah um so I have one more question, but first, can you let people know where they can uh, the best place to get the merch and the best place to find you online and give any shout outs you might have? Okay, yeah, man, I tell everybody to follow. I have a merch page, but nobody uses it because everybody goes on my Instagram and they follow me there. You know, this is one thing I was trying to accomplish to show that you don't necessarily need just one merch page. You don't need just a Shopify page. You could really just be yourself. You know, what do we have Instagram pages for anyway? Why do we have social media pages? You know, I'm not one to do a lot of jokey shit on my page and put up a lot of gossip. I I will put up all of my things that I'm selling and the music and stuff like that. So anybody that want to buy anything, follow my Instagram page. My new page is L 
E L underscore D A underscore S E N S E I. My other page, Sensei Ramenje, was hacked. So anybody that's following that page, you follow my new page, Elder Sensei, L underscore D A underscore Sensei. That's where you can buy everything there. I'm always on there. If you need to talk to me, I'm always on there. But definitely ordering things, do it fast because it's, it's in real time on Instagram. So when people see stuff, if you don't see a lot of likes, that don't mean it ain't nothing being bought. So just, you know, always DM me to find out what I, what I have. And do you have any shout-outs? Yeah, man. Shout-out to my man Polo Ice, one of my best friends ever still to this day. Uh, Shout-out to Tame One, rest in peace. DJ Chaos, rest in peace. Uh, you know, anybody that's been supporting me over these last few years, I thank y'all. I love y'all. And there's so much more coming. You know, shout-out to my family. Uh you know, and um, that's I don't really I'm not the shout out king, but that's about it right there. <laughs> well, that's good. Um, so I like to end lately with this question: Is um, do you have a top five favorite hip hop albums of all time? Wow. Uh man, yeah, damn. Okay, I'm gonna go to immediate because I know what I'm gonna say off the top of my head. So uh, there's no order though. Uh, okay. uh, Public Enemy, Yo Bum Rush the Show. P-Rock and Sales, Smooth Mac and the Soul Brother, Brand Nubian, All for One, uh, Charcoal Quest, Midnight Marauders, and Returning to Boom Bap KRS One. Oh, that's a good list. Word. I think that was five, right? <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Okay. Well, Al, thank you very much for the time. I appreciate it. And I'm really grateful for all this music you put out throughout the years. It's, it's really... Uh, it had a huge impact on my life growing up. And now I, I just, I love seeing that you're still doing it and carrying on for Tame One and DJ Chaos. And the, the music you're putting out still is, is incredible. And I love seeing all the features and stuff. So I'm looking forward to seeing all these releases coming out in 2023 and in the future. So thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. No, hey man, I mean a lot to me. You know, it's, 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 been, it's been a big, big journey, man. You know, but it, this game ain't built for everybody. I'll tell you that. So any accolades that I get, I, I appreciate you very much, you know, because as easily as, as you're saying this, it could have been over a long time ago. So I, right. I appreciate that. And that gives me drive. And I tell everybody the same thing. That just gives me energy for the next record and show. And, and I don't take this lightly, and I don't take none of this shit for granted. So I definitely appreciate it. All right, well, take care. Enjoy the rest of your night. and uh, You too, brother. And happy New Year, everything. too. Yeah, enjoy your 2023. You too. All right, peace. All right, bro. The Craig Crusher Podcast.